0: Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix.
1: It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Third quarter, they've cut it to 11. Jokic just gets it off in time. It's up. Oh! Of course it goes in. Jokic from downtown. Anthony Davis just stares at him. Davis tries a 3 pointer It's good. Anthony Davis from downtown. mashing his way into Horford.
0: Shot clock at three. Butler with Brogdon on almost a long three. And good! Puts it in. <laughs>
1: One and two. This is blasted to left. And we are tied. The Walks finally got them, and it's three to three. That's just the second Oakland hit, and their first since the leadoff batter of the ball game, Ramon Laureano ties it up. And Tori Lavello
0: has seen enough. Diamondbacks played a four-hour, nine-minute marathon here last night. They led throughout the ballgame back early today. Suddenly, the lead was
1: gone. They've got it back, backhanded at third. Rivera got a hustle with that throw, and Manuel Rivera puts the period on a 5-3 Diamondbacks
0: win. They take two of three in Oakland. And now it's on to Pittsburgh.
1: Allen tees up a three.
0: Rebound inside.
1: Yannis took it away and crowbars it in. Yank to left on a line. Trace Thompson makes the play. Scores first inning for Dustin May. And the Dodgers come to bat against Sonny Gray on this sunny day. So unsettling news here. Dustin May leaves the game after one inning. And Dylan Colby is going to come in to make his Dodger debut. He's been pitching in AAA. Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUS AM 1060. And Welcome to the Thursday, May 18th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2100.7, Lakers at Nuggets, who you got tonight, at ATS? Heat Celtics, do you now expect the Heat to win? The Diamondbacks, are you impressed they often overcome their bad bullpen? The Milwaukee Bucks, would Kelvin Sampson be a good fit? The Dodgers, how much would they miss Dustin May? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9:15. we've got a little different order here, so pay attention. A little change in the usual format. But at 9:15 today, next segment, basically, we'll have interactive action in that segment. 602, 260, 1060, and also we'll get to some local roundup, including a Diamondbacks Athletics Wednesday re- uh, rewind. Then at 9 30, we'll get to our guest in this hour, The Lakers and uh, Nuggets Game 2 preview with Jonathan Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll. Final segment, as usual, it is the National Roundup, top by the latest line. little uh, from the scoreboard, certainly we'll get into the uh, Celtics. And the heat from last night, a little bit at that time. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. On the pipeline we go.
0: Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion.
1: And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who you got tonight, ATS, in Game 2? Nuggets uh, minus 5.5 or Lakers plus 5.5? And And Corey is here and has the early returns. They are split right now. Even 50-50 for Lakers plus 5.5 and and Nuggets minus 5.5
0: on KDUS1060.com.
1: The Nuggets are unbeaten in six home games this postseason. In fact, they haven't lost any home games since March. Uh, meanwhile, the Lakers are uh, trailing in a series for the first time this postseason. Today's Twitter poll question Do you now expect the Heat to win the series against the Celtics? And Corey, what do we have here? This one also pretty close. Leading
0: right now, though, is yes 57.1% of the vote. No at 42.9% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter.
1: That's good. We like those hotly contested poll questions. Jimmy Butler, not surprisingly, was outstanding at both ends of the floor, while Eric Polstra almost always puts his players in the best position to win. The Celtics seldom ran their offense in the fourth quarter through Jason Tatum, the latest example of Joe Mazzula just not understanding how to coach postseason basketball. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks, uh, avoided disaster in oakland on wednesday the diamondbacks overcame another bullpen disaster and uh, allowing a three-round homer that tied the game is it isn't impressive that the diamondbacks have been able to overcome many of their constant bullpen issues meanwhile sparing the globe the milwaukee bucks have interviewed Calvin sampson to be their next head coach he is a former bucks assistant coach also is an assistant coach with the Rockets before he came, became the head coach at the University of Houston. By the way, University of Houston is leaving the weak AAC for the you know, rough and tumble and best conference in college basketball, Big 12. They're making that change before next season. That might uh, – I'm guessing that has something to do with Sampson's interest here. Uh, would Calvin Sampson be a good NBA head coach – whether it's in Milwaukee or somewhere else. Meanwhile, there were uh, the Dodgers. They won and lost yesterday. They won the series finale against the Twins, but starting pitcher Dustin May, with uh, who was actually less than two years off of Tommy John surgery, left the game with uh, elbows, sore, pitching elbow soreness, and he's going to have one of those PRP injections. He's going to be out for a while. So how much do the Dodgers' expectations take a hit with Dustin May expected to be out, at least right now, for a while? Also, in addition to all these outstanding questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. we have get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio program. Don't forget the extra point with Kayla following from 10 to noon or two more hours of radio excellence. Also, anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we we'll a news update. That'll be followed today today by phone call time the next segment and also its general discussion in the next segment today, 602-260-1060. And we'll also have the local roundup. That'll be topped by the Diamondbacks and Athletics from Wednesday. Then at the bottom of the hour today, we will have our interview in this hour. It'll be Lakers and Nuggets discussion with Jonathan Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll. Game two tonight in Denver. Uh, game 1 was interesting, definitely interesting, probably a little more interesting than the Nuggets wanted it to be considering it seemed like they were going to run away and hide, which they did for a little while, but then they lost their hiding place at some point. Your list of the sports though with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7.
0: A reward for you with the KTUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup.
1: All right, folks, a segment earlier than usual. If you want to get in, 602-260-1060. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Jump aboard right now. we got time and room for you right now in this segment for this hour welcome back to the sports zone with bob kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and kiss lux hd2 Your are home with the dan patrick show live monday through friday from 6 to 9 a.m in addition to the local roundup once again one segment earlier than usual if you want to get in right now phone call wise 602-260-1060 this is your time to participate On to today's local roundup. The Diamondbacks, they scored twice in the ninth inning to avoid an embarrassing series loss to the worst team in baseball. Uh, Arizona broke a 3-3 deadlock in the top of the ninth inning. Jose Herrera, an excellent at bat. He was down 0-2 in the count, 0-2 in the count, and ended up getting a sacrifice fly to give the Diamondbacks the lead. And then Cattell Marte added an insurance run with a two-out single. That gave them a 5-3 lead. They eventually win 5-3. The Diamondbacks continue uh, to benefit from the long ball. Christian Walker, who's been tremendous so far this season, and Corbin Carroll, who's been slumping a little bit here lately, uh, but they both hit home runs yesterday. And uh, that, uh, you know, the uh, two-run homer by Carroll gave the Diamondbacks a 3-0 lead after five and a half innings. There was good and bad in the mound. Uh, The good was a rare, impressive start by Ryan Nelson. He did not allow a run in five and a third shutout innings, which is kind of redundant since I said he didn't allow a run and then mentioned shutout innings. Uh, He allowed just one hit and had six strikeouts. He did walk four, including three during the sixth inning. The uh, Diamondbacks, before Wednesday, though, had lost Nelson's previous five starts, and that was not a coincidence. He didn't pitch well in those starts, but he was better yesterday against the worst team in baseball. Meanwhile, the bat of the mound, another multiple home run, uh, you know, multiple run home run, I should say, from a relief pitcher, Luis Frias, who was recalled from AAA earlier in the day because they were short on bullpen arms after the 12-inning game the night before. Well, not surprisingly, Frias walked two guys and gave up a three-run homer that tied the game. That to Ramon, uh, Ramon Loriano, who's been struggling mightily this season and in this series. But uh, Frias over the last two seasons, he's just basically been a base-on-balls machine, rarely able to throw strikes. And unfortunately, constantly giving Frias another chance, he's had multiple another-chance situations, is just another example of how few major league pitcher or major league level pitchers the Diamondbacks currently have in their organization if they had more options, there is no chance that Frias would continue to get these multiple chances to try to prove himself because he's just not a major league pitcher. Bottom line, the Diamondbacks are eight and five in the 13-game stretch against the Nationals, Marlins, Giants, and Athletics, and uh, that gets uh, you know. I, you know I, I keep hearing that the Pirates are a good team. Well, they were, uh, but they have not been good for you know up you know, close to three weeks. Uh, the Diamondbacks three-city road trip goes from Oakland to Pittsburgh, uh, beginning Friday night. Then after that, it concludes at Philadelphia as they stay in the uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Zach Gallen will get the start in the opener, the series opener against the Pirates on Friday night. The Diamondbacks are seven and two in games started by Gallen. The Diamondbacks are 18 and 17 in other all other games which have not been started by Gallen this season. Meanwhile, they mentioned the Dodgers. They lose Dustin May, but they won the game yesterday, so they've now won 13 of their last 16 games, and uh, they're starting to pull away a little bit. They're up uh, 12 games over 500 now. The Diamondbacks sitting at 25 and 19. San Francisco has actually moved ahead of the Pod race uh, in the standings. San Francisco. Uh, sweeping the series, I, I think I incorrectly said that they lost on uh, Tuesday night against Philadelphia. They actually beat them. So the uh, the Giants sweep the series at home against the Phillies. So the Giants are now 20-23. and 23. The Padres lost a home series to the Kansas City Royals. And once again, the Padres' offense not doing anything. And now Manny Machado looks like he is going to go on the injured list after he was hit by the pitch on Monday night. Padres are now 20 and 24 on the season, and Colorado bringing up the rear, but not by much. The Padres are almost in last place in the National League West. They're only one game ahead of Colorado, which is 19 and 25 at the start of the season. All right. Meanwhile, the Cardinals. Uh, I didn't get to this yesterday, but I will mention it right now. They announced their preseason schedule on Tuesday. Arizona begins the preseason on Friday, August the 11th. You all want to write this down. Friday, At least it's not Friday the 13th when they start their season schedule for the preseason. Uh, the home game against the Broncos, uh, they play them seemingly every season. In fact, it's said in the uh, press release, it's the Cardinals' 15th preseason matchup against the Broncos in the past 20 years, but it's the first since 2019. Uh, Denver had visited Arizona in the preseason in uh, two thousand and eighteen by the way. meanwhile, the Celtics are they play the Celtics the Cardinals remain home they play the first two uh you know uh, three games in preseason now remember the first two preseason games are at home the second ones against the defending Super Bowl champion chiefs on Saturday, August the nineteenth and since there's only three preseason games, many teams now use the so-called dress rehearsal game in the preseason. Week two, their second game in the preseason, and if that's the case for the Chiefs, and I don't remember, or I don't think it's not, I don't think it's a case of me not remembering. I think it's more like a case that I just don't care about the preseason, uh, so I'm not sure what the Chiefs' approach is to the preseason. Whether it's uh, the week two is their so-called rehearsal game or not, but uh, they play the Chiefs at home in week two. Then they end the preseason the Cardinals in Minnesota against the Vikings on Saturday, August the 26th. And uh, they used to play the Vikings quite a bit in preseason, too, but they have not played them in the preseason since 2019. Meanwhile, a former Cardinal was actually signed on Tuesday. The Steelers signed Hakeem Butler. I had completely forgotten, and for good reason, about Hakeem Butler. He had a a good season in the XFL, I read, which is apparently why the Steelers have signed him. Uh, he was Butler is a fourth round pick of the Cardinals in 2019. If you were listening to the show in 2019, it took literally at least maybe maybe less than a week in training camp to seriously question as to whether, if he actually got open, whether he would catch the ball when he was open. He was really bad. He was really good at Iowa State. I did not have a problem with the Cardinals when they actually drafted him at the time. Actually, I'm pretty sure that I might have said that the fourth round, that seems kind of like a bargain. But he was awful in training camp. One of the worst training camps of any Cardinal I've ever seen. And uh, within uh, another year, he was gone uh, from Arizona. He was like a journeyman tight end. Journeyman is a... You know, quotes and, at best, a journeyman tied in, in the NFL uh, before the XFL season that uh, some witnessed, not I, because there's not a chance in hell I'm going to watch any football other than the NFL when I don't have to. I get a little tired of watching the NFL during the season. It's a grueling exercise as a talk show host if you do it right, and hopefully I'm doing it right. Uh, I'm not going to watch football in the off season to satisfy my so-called football or professional football attitude, uh, appetite. Uh, It's just the NFL level of play has decreased in recent years. I'm not going to watch some Mickey Mouse league. There's two of them, I guess, now. There's not a chance in hell I'm going to ever watch any of those games. Meanwhile, basketball-wise, the U of A basketball program got some good news. Earlier this week, I mentioned this briefly yesterday, just didn't have time to get to any more detail to it, but Pella Larson has announced his return to the U of A next season. That's where he is now officially withdrawn from the 2023 NBA draft. He was actually invited to the NBA's uh, G League Combine, which is going on right now in Chicago, but he did not attend the event uh, this past weekend. Actually, I think this is the official combine thing that's going on now, but they had the G League combine before. He decided not to even go to that. Uh, Two years ago, Larson was voted the uh, sixth man of the year in the Pac-12. Then last year, they actually started him for a few games before they decided, like, I'm guessing about halfway through the season that they should just bring him off the bench, and he was better and they were better. More importantly, he was the U of A's, by far, he was their best defender. That says that's a lot. He was good. Uh, It doesn't say a lot that he was the U of A's best defender because he is one of the few players that the U of A has had during the Tommy Lloyd era that has any interest in playing defense. All right, next segment. We will get to a Lakers and Nuggets Game 2 preview. Harrison Fagan scheduled to join us from Silver Screen and Roll very interesting first game you know the adjustments of the playoffs to something or something that's certainly something that you hear about and it's legitimate i mean it certainly happens i think it happens more early in series than it does later in the series so we're between games one and two so i think it's a, a legitimate topic to discuss right now and we will do that in the next segment among other things uh with harrison in the next segment also, we'll wrap up the hour as usual. This is going a little bit out of order here today, but we'll wrap up the hour with the national roundup. So stay tuned for that. That'll include a little more on the uh, Celtics, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, demise last night against the Heat. You're listening to Sports on with Bob Kemp on KDU S A M ten sixty and Castelux H D two one hundred point seven. Sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle H HD 100.7. Lakers look to hand the Nuggets their first postseason home court loss in uh, game two tonight of the Western Conference Final. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Harrison Fagan, a silver screen and roll. And Harrison, good to hear you're doing better. Uh, let's uh, go back and uh, let's just start with what, what was your. Take what would you take out of Game One when uh, the Nuggets had the big lead and then held on to win?
0: Well, Bob, I I, I think uh, I called this one when last time I was on here and I said you weren't going to have me back till something went wrong and uh, like here we are <laughs> uh, Lakers Lakers dropped Game One uh, their first Game One of the postseason but no in all seriousness it's good to be back and uh, thank you for having me as always and. Um, yeah, I think honestly, I did not expect the Lakers to win Game One for a team that has been as up and down in terms of energy and execution, and has both of their stars sort of playing through active, you know, foot injuries of like various types. I just didn't think. I thought with the altitude in Denver, getting making that adjustment, I just thought that it was going to be too hard for them to turn it on and game one especially against a team that in the nuggets is frankly better than either of the teams that they've played so far and you know have home court advantage for a reason and was going to be extremely motivated to come out and show you know hey we have home court advantage like we had a better record than this team we are the title i think they're the title favorites at this point or they're up there um or we are favored Mm -hmm. in the series for a reason and you know i thought they came out and showed many of those things
1: yeah, the altitude thing, you know, we just watched the Suns. They lost all three games yeah. in Denver, and a lot of the media folks here you know, blamed the altitude, which I kind of think was a little ridiculous. But you know, the, the, I'm not quite buying the Lakers' altitude thing in game one because they got stronger in the second half on Tuesday night, so
0: maybe it wasn't as big a factor, but maybe it is. Well, you I, know I think, better than I. I think it's always – my my stance on that, because I'm with you, like, I, I think, number one, I'm not saying this is, like, an excuse, I'm not making excuses for the Lakers, like, this is just, like, sort of a reality that they have to deal with, and they still got absolutely outplayed in the first half, I just think that my stance on that, and from, like, listening to players talk about it, is it sounds like it's a thing where you're just not used to, like you know, you just feel a little slower at the start of the game, and it's like, oh, man, like, wait, I'm not going as fast as I'm used to going. And I think it does kind of hit you immediately out of the gate. Like if the Lakers mm-hmm. lose tonight, I'm not going to be saying, you know, oh man, they just couldn't deal with the altitude. That's, that's totally unfair that teams have to play in Denver. They, they, should, they should move or something like that. But I think that like initially in game one of a series, when you haven't dealt with it in a while, I do think that it's a little bit of factor. And I think it sort of, you know, would explain partially that slow start and them just getting absolutely kicked in the teeth for, you know, an entire first half. Uh, before kind of starting to figure some things out and maybe acclimate and adjust in uh, in the second half, but yeah, I mean, all credit okay. to Denver because they they absolutely came out and earned that one and took it. I was not trying to say that that you know put an asterisk on their victory.
1: No, I wasn't inferring that, but I mean, uh, that yeah. seemed like a lot of folks around here thought that that's why the Suns lost. They just weren't good enough, <laughs> so they just yeah. No. A lot of folks around yeah, a lot of folks around here can't is, accept that. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm sure the altitude did not help, but I don't think the altitude was the reason that the Sun-supporting cast that is not very good was not very good, you know?
1: Right, exactly. Totally agree. <laughs> okay, so the Nuggets got they – got, they scored 132 and they shot 55% in game one. Yeah, the Lakers had the previous-ranked top uh, playoff defense. So why were the Nuggets so efficient and effective offensively in the game one? At least through three yeah, quarters you know, I, they I were.
0: Think- yeah, through three quarters, they were. And I think that they're, we're going to continue to see more of that. I don't think, you know, I, I'm sure that we were going to talk about this, but the Rui adjustment of putting him on Jokic and allowing right. AD to roam. Like, I think that that made a difference. And part of the reason that I think that Nuggets were able to get going so well in the first half is that, you know, while AD is an incredible defender, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the league right now, you know, especially given what he's shown during this playoff run, just like uh, unbelievable stuff. But he is at his best when he is able to roam and kind of serve as that secondary, like I'm going to blow these packs up. I'm going to make your life miserable at the rim coming in from the weak side and, you know, making you think about every single pass and shot that you're taking. And so like, while he can, somewhat capably defend Jokic one-on-one or at least make life a little bit difficult on him. I think that, you know, when you take him out of that Romer role, you're taking him out of what makes him most effective and most devastating as a defender. And so I think that you saw a little bit early on in the first half, number one, the Lakers starting lineup going small to start that game. You know, Denver's, Denver has a big lineup for the most part. You know, Jokic is obviously gigantic, but everyone across positionally across their team is fairly large for their position group, you know, at least in that starting unit. And they were shooting over that three-guard Lakers backcourt like they were folding chairs. And so I think that was part of it was, you know, if you have AD where he's certainly not going to roam off of the two-time MVP, and then, you know, you have LeBron and D'Lo, these guys that are, sort of you know charitably not going to be described as the most active help defenders uh in the league and then you know you also have a size disadvantage and you're getting killed on the boards because the ad can't you know maybe he can box out jokic but you know that's going to require a certain load from him and other guys are going to have to dig down and sort of secure those possessions that end them i think you just sort of had a recipe for disaster a little bit Uh, when you factor in Sort of also that maybe their legs were a little bit you know out from under them to start that game uh in addition
1: okay so you know we're talking Harrison Fagan from Silver Screen and Roll let's get to the you know the the Rui factor here yeah you know, the, the fact let me go back first the, the the Suns obviously trying to phone Jokic is a problem and it's a you know yeah. a nightmare for every team The Suns almost never double-teamed him. I presume that might be one reason, if not the primary reason, that Monty Williams is out of work now. Uh, I mean, the Lakers did mix it up in game one, including the Hachimuri as the primary defender, and Davis uh, is a rover-type defender, as we mentioned. Do we expect more of that tonight?
0: I do. Yes. Like, I I think that the Lakers, number one, I would expect Rui Hachimura to start. This is not reporting, but you know, I think Chris Haynes just had a report that the Lakers are considering a starting lineup change. Like my my guess would be that Rui moves in there. I think this is pretty clearly a Rui series, especially with he showed that just like physically he can hold up and he gives the Lakers some size that they really need with that starting group and how big Denver is. Um, And so I would expect him to start. I think that'll be part of the adjustment. I don't think that, uh, you know, I know the that it's been, like, a fairly common take that, like, oh, like, the Lakers figured it out. They, you know, they, they got this. And now that now they have this sort of defensive strategy, I, I don't think that you can throw the same thing at Jokic for, you know, 38 minutes or however many he's going to play and not get sliced and diced. Like, he is maybe the best passer. He's the, probably the best passer in the NBA right now probably the best big man passer ever or at least up there you know you're not going to be able to show him the same look for an entire game and not have him figure it out but I think that what the Lakers have to do is bury things up I think you're going to see some Rui on him I think you're going to see AD as his primary defender at times I think that honestly I would expect to see LeBron as his primary defender at points because Mm -hmm. that is something where LeBron is not always the most engaged defensively anymore nor can you really expect him to lock in for, you know, his entire minutes load on that end at age 38. But I, I, one of the few areas where he never really sort of lets go of the rope is as a post defender, because you're not going to show him up. Like, you know, he knows that no one's going to notice he gets back cut six times a game or whatever. Or Most fans are not going to notice that. But, you know, he's not going to let himself just get back down and put in the basket. And so I think that having him on Jokic for various points might be another look that the Lakers go out there and throw while having you know I think they're going to send some hard doubles I think at times I think at times they're going to sort of like dig down and sort of fake the double team I think that they're just going to try a bunch of different stuff to at least make it so that Jokic does not feel like the reads are automatic where he has to think about it (laughs) at the very least every single time what the correct pass is in this situation
1: so Jamal Murray he had 31 in game one how should they try to deal with him
0: Yeah, I I think that uh, honestly, you know, I I think that they're probably going to, you know, I think that we're going to continue to see Dennis on him a little bit. I I think that, you know, to some degree, like Anthony Davis is probably going to have to come up and play higher, like when his man is out there in uh, like in screens with Jamal Murray and, you know, show a little bit more. But also at, at the same time, I think, you know, to some degree, you know, in the playoffs, you have to let the other team have something you can't just only let their bad shooters have stuff and like to some degree I I would expect that the Lakers like if they're just going to get roasted for 31 every single night by Jamal Murray I I think to some degree they're just going to have to live with that because I I think that so much more of their strategy is going to have to be predicated on trying to slow down Jokic and making sure that it's not just him absolutely killing them but you can't you can't let it be both like they did in game one and so that's sort of the problem that they're going to have to find some answers to.
1: So kind of along those lines, is there anything else at the defensive end that the Lakers might or should do differently tonight?
0: You know, I I think there's going to be – they're going to have to figure out because obviously, you know, if if they go to the Rui on Jokic uh, adjustments, you know, they're going to have to – the Nuggets are going to have counters for that. They're going to be ready and trying to potentially get – you know, um, like uh, like try and get Aaron Gordon up setting those screens or something like that. Take AD out of the paint to sort of make that a little bit. We saw this with Golden State where the Lakers, you know, they sort of started to figure out the AD roamer, make it, try to get him helping higher out of the paint. So the Lakers are going to have to come up with some counters to that and find some ways to kind of creatively get AD still down near the rim and get some extra help. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that we're going to see, you know, just sort of a variety of um, different strategies from them tonight.
1: Talking Lakers and uh, Nuggets with Harrison Fagan for uh, Silver Screen and Roll. Okay, they scored 126 points in the first game, including 72 in the second half. Other than hoping D'Angelo Russell actually makes a few shots, uh, they did score 126. So should they do anything differently at the offensive end in in game two?
0: Yeah, you know, I would expect LeBron to be a little bit more active going to the basket and trying to, like, I know he did hunt Jamal Murray a little bit, and I actually thought the Nuggets kind of threw him off a little bit by a couple times. They stuck Jamal Murray on him outright, and you could tell he was almost confused. He's like, wait, I don't have to run screens to get this guy on? Like, he's just on me? I don't, the the Lakers almost didn't know what to do, because their whole offense was like, hey, we're going to hunt this guy, and the Nuggets just kind of gave him up. They're like, here you go. Good luck. Um, And... So I would expect LeBron to be – but I still thought that he settled for a lot of jumpers, and we've seen that throughout the playoffs as like a leg conservation sort of metric from him uh, as strategy. And so I would expect that LeBron is a little bit more active trying to get to the rim tonight and, you know, attack around there. I think that one of the things that should give any Lakers fans sort of, like, confidence for people rooting for the Lakers is that it does not look like the Nuggets are going to have an answer for Anthony Davis. And so if he's able to score as easily as he was the other night, then I think that, you know, that's going to free him up and conserve some energy where he's able to put even more in on the defensive end Uh, because, you know, the last two series, he's had to work really hard for every single bucket that he's gotten, either versus Raymond Green or jaron jackson jr or these like guys that are you know all all defense caliber players Jokic is charitably just not that and is also too important to his team offensively he's trying to stay out of foul trouble and so i think if ad is able to score as easily as he was the other night that is going to continue to be a good barometer for the lakers and uh, like i would expect them to you know i would expect below to not shoot that horribly again.
1: LeBron, he almost had a triple-double, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, but he did miss a three and turned it over in a couple of late-game possessions. Might he change his approach uh, at the end of game, a game if it's a close game?
0: Yeah, you know, I want to say yes, just because we have seen him at various points during the playoffs lock in and try and get to the basket, but to to be honest, I I think – some of that burst is just gone and it's not coming back, especially when he's playing through, you know, I'm sure you saw the comments of like, oh, like only the LeBron James defeat told me that I didn't need foot surgery and, you know, all that stuff. It's clear that he's playing through an active foot injury that has sapped some of that sort of burst a little bit. And so, and, but to be honest, even before that, You know, uh, sort of a hallmark of LeBron James experience the last couple of years is that he he settles for jumpers more than you would like him to, especially at the end of games. That has been, you know, we have sort of a running bit in our, you know, like a silver screen roll group chat of like, oh, like I, I we know what plays coming out here at the end of the game is LeBron pull up three. And sure enough, you know, more times than not, that is sort of the play. And the Lakers are going to sort of live and die with him taking those. To some degree, I would like to see him getting going more to the basket late in games. I'm just not sure that I'm like ready to predict it. Yeah,
1: you know, along those lines, you know, Doug Collins, I think, was actually the best NBA commentator I've ever heard on television. He used to use the term fool's gold a lot when you know, somebody mm-hmm. made a shot that he probably shouldn't take. Is it like fool's gold when LeBron makes a few threes?
0: I would say... Let, uh, no, just because I think, like, the fool's gold is almost, like, where it entices a guy to settle more than he normally would, where, like, I think LeBron settles about the same amount, whether his uh, whether his jumper is on or not, and so, obviously, you'd rather have the threes go in, that has not been the case for the majority of this playoff run, and so, you know, I think the Lakers, you know, fool's gold, whatever, they'll, they'll take it if those jumpers are going in, just because I think he's going <laughs> to take about the same amount of them regardless.
1: Okay, you mentioned you know the report out there. Maybe, probably more than one. I know of one uh, that Darwin Ham may make a lineup change. Uh, Other than the Hachimuri thing, is, is what? What else would be a possibility?
0: So, to be honest, I'm not sure that, like, obviously someone's going to have to come out. My guess would be that that is Dennis Schroeder, at least initially, where he goes back to the bench and, you know, tries to come in, change a pace option type thing against Jamal Murray and just really make his life difficult there. Um, and they go to, you know, uh, like potentially Austin Reeves on him a little bit more in the starting lineup. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, like I, that is sort of the adjustment that I would expect just because I think that they just need more links on the floor, and I think Rui has clearly shown that he can play this series both defensively and offensively.
1: You mentioned Schroeder. Um, yeah, I think it's safe to say he's been a polarizing figure in a couple of stops around the NBA. Well, what's your take on him, for the, especially right now with the Lakers?
0: I think that he, I understand he has very much been a polarizing presence uh, during just his time in Los Angeles, his two stints in Los Angeles. And so, yeah, I I definitely am aware of that rep and, uh, you know, the whole, like, you know, how much money he turned down and how highly he clearly thinks of his game and how much he believes in himself that has led to, you know, like some, like, questionable shot selection at times and, you know, various teams, you know, doing better at times when he is not around, but for the most part, you know, He's on a veteran's minimum contract for the Lakers. He has, by basically any metric, vastly outperformed the contract that he is on with the Lakers uh, this season, given how many games he's been able to sort of help steal them, both in the regular season and how valuable he's been, you know, as a core member of their playoff rotation. So, yeah, like Dennis absolutely has his flaws. He is a guy that is an irritant. He is a guy that is not afraid to sell contact. He is a guy that is not afraid to get into, like, some trash talk, war of words, whatever, with the opposing player. I feel like he is in the top ten of guys in NBA that would be most annoying to play both with and against in pickup. Um, But he (laughs) is – like, he's also a guy that has helped, uh, you know, the Lakers a a great deal more than you would expect for someone making the amount of money he is making.
1: Okay, so the Nuggets. Uh, You know, the number one seed, they're playing great. I mean, it's just not Jokic. They're complimentary players, obviously, played well, especially at the end of the Sun series. What impressed you the most? Michael Malone might be an answer to this, too. What has impressed you the most with the Nuggets?
0: So uh, Michael Malone is a good answer just because I thought the Denver scouting report was really, really good to start for the last game. I think that it was clearly, you know, on there, as they clearly have, you know, top bullet point on there, like, you know, run at every single opportunity possible, run. This Lakers team is not a good transition defense team. If you secure the rebound, like try and get out, you can, like, they're an incredible half-court defense, but if we can get them running, you know, LeBron's not always going to get back. D'Lo's not always going to get back. You're going to be able to get buckets there. And then the other thing that I really liked from them was uh, or I guess I didn't really like it, but I thought was very smart from them. Um, was you know that they clearly had very high on the scouting report that when that LeBron Rui front court is in there while AD is off the floor, go to the rim like a heat-seeking missile every single time. Go to the basket because you know LeBron's going to get some weak side blocks occasionally. Rui has shown that ability occasionally, but for the most part, you are going to get a layup line at the rim if you drive on that group. And so that is frankly why I would expect. You know, potentially some Wendy and Gabriel minutes with those reserves when AD comes out at times, just to get a little bit more rim protection on the floor. Even a guy that's like foul prone and can make them sort of earn it at the line versus just giving up easy layups every single time and is at least going to hustle, maybe create some second chance opportunities on the glass. But, you know, beyond the Nuggets coaching and stuff like that, I, I honestly was really impressed with Michael Porter Jr. Like, uh, defensively, yeah. he leaves something to be desired. But I thought that the moment. Uh, did not look too big for him offensively and I was really impressed by how you know how he attacked his matchup and he saw that the Lakers were sort of frankly disrespecting him a little bit with the way that they were guarding him and he you know was more than ready to take advantage
1: okay so the start of this game the Lakers got out actually the Nuggets had 20 of the first 23 rebounds in this game that other night how's that happen
0: yeah, you know, you know I, I bet that is to some degree. I think that's part of that is the AD on Jokic matchup takes him away from the basket. He is the Lakers' ob- obviously best rebounder. Um, LeBron was not as active on the glass as he's shown he can be during his career. I, I think just really no one was digging down. And the Nuggets, you know, again, it was on their scouting report. that like, hey, if AD's away from the rim, they're going to be, you know, o- o- offensive rebound opportunities there. And they took advantage. And I think, frankly, just, like, out-hustled and out-executed the Lakers on that end.
1: Okay, so bottom line here, the Lakers are roughly getting, depending on where you do your business, if you do business and bet on games, the Lakers are getting five, let's go five and a half. That's the number we're using here. Uh, Would you take the Lakers plus five and a half, and what do you think their chances of winning straight up would be tonight?
0: Uh, I, I do think I expect I'm definitely not a gambling guy. And so, like, I, I think, you know, I would expect them to keep it close. So, yeah, I, I think I would take that line. Um, and, you know, again, limited gambling experience aside. Um, and I would also say that I do, I do expect them to win tonight. I think that they're going to come out and try and throw a pretty good punch, tie this series up 1-1, and then I would expect them to, you know, end up splitting back home if they ultimately get that result and then, you know, we're at a series. I, I, I expect this series to be 2-2 going to game five one way or the other.
1: Okay, I got to ask – I have to ask now after that, uh, who wins the series?
0: I, I have Lakers in sevens going into uh, going into the series. I, I think that I like some of their matchups. I like their matchups in this series. I like that AD is going to be able to get going offensively fairly easily. I think the Lakers have enough defensive stuff. And I don't think that the Nuggets are going to shoot like 50% on above the break threes uh, in every single game this series. And so I, I think that the Lakers, you know, uh, the way that I've described it is – I think that they had a lot of sort of the puzzle piece answers in game one. And I think that we saw one of them most notably down the stretch. I just think that they almost deployed them in the wrong order. I think the small lineup can work, but only against Denver's bench. I think that they figured out that they, you know, going big against the Denver starters is going to be a little bit of an answer there. I think that they're going to have more looks that they throw at Jokic during this game. I do think that the Lakers, uh, you know, again, a a, a seven pick is almost like a cowardly coin flip type thing. I, I respect the Nuggets. I think that they very much have a chance to win this series and potentially even win it earlier than that. But I like the Lakers' matchups. I like the way that they're playing. And I think that, you know, as the series goes on and they continue to, you know, I would another thing I would look for tonight is for them to try and make Jokic work more defensively, try and, like, uh, really attack him mm-hmm. and tire his legs yep. out. And I think that, you know, the fatigue factor from that as the series goes on and as the Lakers continue to be physical and sort of make him think about things, I think that they're going to be able to pull this one out.
1: Harrison, always a pleasure talking to you. And for the record, uh, we we would have uh, called you for today even if the Lakers had won Game One. So how's that?
0: I'll (laughs) I'll take trust me. that. no, trust trust me on that. After they win in seven (laughs) and take a a victory lap too.
1: Okay, I can remember that. No problem. Thanks a lot. I'm glad you're feeling better. (laughs) Take care.
0: (laughs) All right, you, you too, Bob. See ya.
1: All right, coming up next, we'll wrap it up in the sports zone. We'll have an update with Corey in between, and then we'll have the uh, conclusion of today's spectacular radio program with the shortest national roundup possibly in sports zone history. We'll get to a little from the last night with the, uh, the Celtics losing at home, which is not exactly breaking news in the playoffs. The Celtics lose at home uh, against the Heat, and we'll have much more on that, I'm sure, in the uh, next two hours with the extra point hosted by Kayla. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2
0: 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, welcome back. Fastest
1: National Roundup possibly in Sports Zone history. I would thank Harrison and Fagan once again from Silver Screen and Roll. He's great. One of the best guests we've ever had in this show, and if you think he's a Lakers Homer, you haven't listened to this show over the years because that is far from the truth. All right, on to quickly, and we'll get much get to much more of this during the extra point in the next two hours with Caleb. But the Celtics, they're three. No, excuse me, they're four and four at home during the playoffs. They got torched in the third quarter last night. And then I have no idea, like I haven't said this before, I'm not the only person that said it, I have no idea what Joe Missoula was doing for the majority of this game. And uh, the uh, Heat win at Boston in Game 1 against the Celtics. Game 2 of that series is, uh, is Friday night, and uh, the Celtics are getting pounded in the local number, the local number, not the local number, but the opening number, I should say, They opened uh, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, roughly. They're up to nine pretty much everywhere in Game 2 at home against Miami. Tonight, Denver, uh, I guess pretty much universally it seems like a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That game opened six-and-a-half, and and I don't understand why it opened six-and-a-half. But a a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the uh, Lakers tonight in Game 2. In Denver, Diamondbacks today are off. They go to Pittsburgh, Sorry. a... uh, Three game series. Zach Gallen on the mound tomorrow. And uh, when Zach Gallen pitches, it's almost a must win for the Diamondbacks because they're roughly a 500 team in games that he doesn't pitch this year. All right, as I mentioned, next two hours, Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Stay tuned for that. Thanks. You've been listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. We appreciate you listening.